All right, what's what's going on tonight? We have a special guest, Austin Jones, on the show. He's an aerospace engineer and the founder of Atlas Arms. Atlas Arms is a company focused on empowering citizens with improved weapons, and they're also the creators of the Dagny Dagger, an open source armor piercing hollow point nine millimeter projectile. Now, feel free to correct me in a second if I got any of that wrong. But yeah, dude, w- welcome to the show. I, we we met at the Bear Arms and Bitcoin conference last week, and um, I was super super intrigued by what you're what you're building, and had to get you on here to talk about it. I, I appreciate it. It was uh, it was good to hang out there. Um, it, it was a fun time. Um, I guess the only place I would correct you is it's not armor piercing because as we will get into armor piercing is uh, a a legal definition, whereas armor penetrating is what we try to use because that's just a functional descriptor. So there we go. Okay, we'll, cool. we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a whole new world for me too. Like coming from traditional firearms world, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit. Um, the 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 this this type of spicy stuff is uh, out, outside of my domain. So I'm looking forward to learning from you, dude. But yeah, so why why don't you tell me a little bit about your background, man? Like this is uh, it, that's an incredible trajectory going from aerospace engineer to build, building um, building the spicy freedom seeds. I, well, I, I mean, I think it, it's funny because I think uh, ballistics is as close as, I mean, aerospace is as close as uh, traditional engineering fields get to ballistics. So that's probably within the wheelhouse. But, um, well, I guess I could start out like I wanted to be an, an aerospace engineer since I was eight years old. Uh, it's definitely part of my identity. I say I'm a born engineer. Um, and, uh, but the problem is uh, I wanted, I would, Thought aircraft are really cool. Space stuff is really cool. But unfortunately, um, you know, I kind of developed this libertarian philosophy uh, or politics when I was in high school and then in in college also. And the rest of my graduating class of aerospace engineers went like straight to work for Boeing or Lockheed Martin, making bombers and missiles and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not good with that stuff. Um, you know, maybe if those were used more, uh, ethically than, than possibly, but kind of my, my politics aren't, aren't really good with the military industrial complex. So I had to find something else to do after I left college. And, uh, frankly, now I would tell people don't go to college. Like it's, it's, it's not worth it, but, uh, I guess that's a a different uh, discussion. So luckily a buddy of mine, um, that I, I grew up with was on the U S national Taekwondo team. Um, and he quit because Taekwondo isn't scored very well. So, um, I, he was making a, a company to, to kind of like fix that and make a new protective scoring system for Taekwondo or, you know, other combat sports. And, uh, I needed somewhere to go since I wasn't going to work for the defense industry, which is most of aerospace engineering. And uh, so I started working with him and we made uh, this company, 2020 Armor, that made, um, well, we commercialized a a new type of sensing technology, uh, which can sense impact energy, not just like the force or the pressure of an impact, but, but like the, the energy, the kinetic energy that it's, that it's absorbed. Mm -hmm. So uh, it scores Taekwondo like, um, like a video game. So if you play, you know, like Tekken or Street Fighter or whatever, it's the same thing. You hit your opponent harder and it's actually got like life bars displayed there on the on the, the chest. So uh, the life bar decreases with how hard you're hit. 
you know, and so uh, that's, that, cool. that's the way it works. So, you know, from the get go, uh, I was kind of, I've never, I've always been in my engineering career, I guess as short as it's been kind of only like six years now, I've always been in kind of like technological development, hardware startups, that kind of thing. And especially this, you know, it's not ballistic body armor, but it is body armor. And that really mm -hmm. kind of like threw me into that world and, and uh, that technology general principles. I left that company after a time um, when kind of, you know, the interesting R and D stuff was done. Um, and then I went to work in the private space industry, which by the way, isn't actually that private. Uh, Cause it turns <laughs> out the government controls everything in space. So, uh, but anyway, um, I worked with Bigelow Aerospace that developed, uh, they would call it expandable. I would call it inflatable spacecraft. The idea being, you know, the rocket can only hold so much. Um, so you, uh, this thing, you know, it deflates and packs down to the small size it'll fit in the rocket. And once it gets into orbit, it inflates so that you have a larger capsule than you could otherwise fit on the rocket. Uh, I, I worked on the orbital debris and micrometeor shielding for that. So because it's uh, inflatable, all that had to be soft and the principles at play are not quite, you know, it doesn't function quite the same as uh, ballistic body armor, but it's very similar. Like a lot of the, a lot of the principles are similar to, uh, to soft body armor. So, you know, that was kind of my introduction to the world of armor. And of course, then we have this uh, project, you know, perfect for me to work on in penetrating uh, ballistic body armor. So that's kind of, that's my, my professional history up until, you know, this project and, and why it seemed like it was a good place for Atlas Arms to start. That, that, that's a really interesting background and like path to this project. So the, the Dagny Dagger, first of all, how, how did you come up with the name? What is it? And what was kind of like the draw for you to select this as a project? Yeah. So, well, frankly, it didn't start out as this. Um, I as was all, actually, as all projects do. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, so, so like it started out, um, when I was in college, I used to think like, you know, we're gonna, it's been a theme for kind of a long time, uh, trying to use, trying to like make weapons at home to try to beat gun control. I mean, that's been going on for an awful long time. You know, like if there's an ammo squeeze, well, you, you reload, for instance, or, you know, people have been making their own guns for, for quite a while. Um, but I thought in about like 2012 or whatever, it's like, hey, you know what, we should make an automated home gunpowder factory. And that's really damn dangerous. <laughs> don't don't try <laughs> to do that. It, it's actually more dangerous than it sounds. Um, so I kind of like that that's not going to happen. And I got this kind of concept maybe for a replacement for gunpowder. There would be a, sim uh, a simpler blend of chemicals that you could make at home. Um, but frankly, that's really, really ex expensive uh, to do if you want to do it in a safe way that doesn't you know, risk your own death. Um, and I thought maybe we and I, I reached out for help, but other companies that might, well, from their MO might be interested, just kind of said, We're, this isn't the kinds of thing we do. Uh, so um, you're on your own, basically. So then I thought I started working with a buddy of mine, Mike, uh, who has been a part of Atlas Arms uh, with me from kind of the beginning. 
at uh, dreaming up some other projects. It would also be, you know, new technology and firearms, not just like new firearms designs or like reconfigurations of the same old tech. That's like what we always see in the gun space, but fundamentally new firearms projects, just like smokeless powder was a fundamentally new technology over black powder. Same thing, like something that actually moves firearms forward technologically. Um, so we looked at, a, at at several things and it's just like, okay, maybe we could do a project in armor penetration that kind of, you know, plays with or pokes at, you know, the, the federal definition, which is what the, the dagger does. And, and uh, so that's what, what we started on first. Um, it's kind of like, you know, it's a lot, it's expensive and it's really difficult to make this new type of armor penetrating bullet, but we decided it would be an easier place to start a cheaper um, and simpler project than some of the, like the more interesting stuff that we want to get to. So yeah, for me, this is just the first stepping stone. And I know like the public is, you know, really interested in this and it's very provocative politically and technologically. Uh, but for me as an engineer, it's just actually like the, you know, the first step. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's awesome. So, what, why don't you talk us through a little bit about the history that we touched on in the beginning about like the distinction between armor penetrating and armor piercing, and why why one is spicy and one is uh, accepted? <laughs> yes, right. Okay, so um, to take you back to the mid '80s, uh, one of the Lethal Weapon movies, I believe, um, had uh, this scene in it that was. You know, about like, oh, cop killer bullets and this new bullet yep. appears and the, and the cops are all scared of it. Like, oh, my gosh, it goes through our armor. So that started this whole like public scare and craze. And then uh, NBC aired a primetime special on like Dateline, I believe it was, about uh, armor piercing ammunition that existed uh, back then in the 80s. And of course, that's like the KTW. You can look it up. KTW was making solid brass bullets that happened to be. Uh, coated in Teflon so that they would be easier on the on the gun barrel, um, and uh, those could go through the the two way uh, armor that 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 uh, people were using in those days. Now you know two way armor is completely obsolete these days, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, frankly, it it might be that those KTW bullets would be stopped uh, by three A armor now. I just I just don't know, but uh, that got people talking, and uh, you know. Uh, murmurs and and fears in in the general public eventually make it onto the the floor of of uh of congress and so uh they passed uh the the legislature the federal legislature passed the uh was it law enforcement officers protection act which i usually just call leopa um and uh that outlawed or it banned the uh the production or sorry excuse me um, banned the manufacture and import of armor piercing ammunition in the United States, except of course, you know, for the use of the police and other government yeah. agencies, you know, they like to ex accept them themselves from these uh, kinds of things. Um, but they defined as armor piercing ammunition, projectiles or projectile cores that are composed of, let's see if I can remember it. Um, brass, bronze, beryllium, copper, steel, iron, depleted uranium, and tungsten. Okay, so that runs the gamut of 
what it, what armor-piercing ammunition is typically made of. Um, and of course, then if you make anything that penetrates armor, but is not uh, doesn't fall under those those uh, compositions, then you know it's not armor-piercing. So that's what we're doing. We're making something that can penetrate armor, but isn't armor-piercing by that definition. Got it. Got it. Okay. So uh, there you go. So wh- why don't you walk me through like the mechanics of how the Dagny Dagger works? Like what, what's it comprised of? Um... Uh, yeah. Um, so there's, there's a couple like points that I, I mean, the construction of the dagger in particular, there's a couple points where we're not quite ready to tell people, you know, it's an it. open source project. So we will tell people when we release it, uh, but we're just not, not ready for that yet. But uh, kind of to like the overview is um, to make a projectile really good at penetrating armor, it has to be number one hard. So, you know, it, you don't want to use lead because lead just deforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want the hardest thing possible. Uh, number two, it's got to be like sharp, I guess you could say, or like there's the shape of it has to be, you know, as spear like as possible to you know, to put poke a hole, what, what you might think of, it needs to be sharp and, you know, a good, like a, a high sectional density is, is, uh, preferred. Mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, the third thing is it's gotta be fast and, you know, with a, with a given cartridge, like nine millimeter, which is what we're developing first, uh, with a given, uh, chamber pressure, it's really hard to pump more energy into it. So, uh, you know, in order to be faster, you dump a bunch of weight. That's kind of how it works. So you want it to be lightweight, uh, and the dagger is. You want it to be sharp, and the penetrator of the dagger is. And you want it to be hard, and uh, the materials we're using are certainly harder than lead. Uh, much harder. In fact, uh, the material that we're using, which we can't disclose yet, um, is kind of an obscure alloy, but it is harder and stronger than AR-500 steel, which is, of course, what steel armor is made of. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it is awesome. not, it's not iron, it's not steel, it's, you know, it's, it's something completely different that I guess the regulators didn't, didn't think of uh, when they were writing the regulation, so. Is it, it ad- is it adamantium? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. See, okay, so, you know, we, we've got these, uh, uh, we're Atlas Arms, and it's the Dagny Dagger. Those are references, of course, to Atlas Shrugged, the, the book. So people ask us, oh, is it reared in metal? Uh, <laughs> I, I wish. I wish that existed, uh, but but it's not. It's uh, Frankly, if I did tell you what it was, you'd have to look it up because nobody's ever heard of this. I mean, yeah. you know, some people in specialty industries have, but um, yeah. So uh, essentially then, how, how do we get there? Well, um, and it's basic construction. The dagger is, uh, this metal core of this particular alloy. Um, it's basically just a sharpened stud and it sits in a jacket of, uh, of machined polymer. So that's, that's what it is. Um, but not only that, and, and more to the point that polymer forms, uh, what we like, we call this like you alluded to, we call this design armor penetrating hollow point because the jacket itself, uh, it's not just a Sabo because, you know, some people, mm-hmm. it makes sense why they'd say, oh, that's just a, it's just a penetrator in a, in a Sabo. But no, I mean, the jacket is bonded to this core and it is an integral part of the bullet. 
it stays with the core uh, until terminal impact or, you know, uh, and it takes part in the terminal performance. The, uh, the jacket forms uh, a hollow point. So this means if you shoot armor, then that jacket just gets stripped off and the penetrator continues to pass through. If you shoot ballistics gel or animal or human flesh, then of course that penetrator just goes straight through. But in addition, that jacket opens up and it expands like a hollow point would, uh, but it expands much more because it's not just the tip. It's not just the point. It's the entire jacket. So it mushrooms out to about, or nine millimeter mushrooms out to about one inch in diameter. So. That's awesome. So what, um, in initial, are you able to talk, are you comfortable talking about any like initial test results on things that you found as far yeah, as like yeah. accuracy? Actually, if people want to, I mean, head on over to our, our website. We've got, you know, pictures of, of the dagger, videos of it. Actually, on our website, you can watch uh, the penetration demonstration video that we released showing that it can penetrate armor. And then we also highlighted its, uh, its devastating terminal uh, ballistics and in gelatin. So people can see that. And we, we compare it to a, a federal HSD hydroshock, you know, which is, you know, that's standard carry ammunition. Yeah. But uh, frankly, the comparison is ridiculous. I mean, uh, I, I never knew. <laughs> in comparison, that hydroshock is so weak, you shouldn't even be carrying it. But I suppose, <laughs> like, it might be good now, but when the dagger comes out. So, you know, go head on over there and take a look. If you see a picture of it, um, then you'll understand what I'm saying more about about the geometry also with that armor yeah. penetrating hollow point. I'll I'll overlay some uh, photos here from that video, and I'll, of course I'll I'll put links in the description too for folks who want to check it out. There, that's uh, that, that's awesome, man. So like you, you alluded to like libertarianism, um, and two two A's a big uh, a big component of the value system a lot of folks in my audience care about. So like, how, how do you, how do you kind of reconcile the two or in my mind, I don't really see there's too much of a reconcile, but like, like why, how are they complementary? I guess is a better way of putting it. Like, I mean, obviously like the second amendment was written by a new government or like at least was written by, you know, individuals who formed, you know, the early government of the United States. And they had just been through a war in which uh, they needed uh, their their personal weapons to win, uh, win their independence. And um, were it not for the fact that Americans then and now are were more armed than, you know, any citizenry uh, in the entire world, they would not have won. So they wanted to make sure that that would stay around. And so they said, you know, shall not be infringed. And, uh, and of course, like the, they, everybody, this is kind of common knowledge that uh, the original wording was like very clear on, uh, was more clear now, didn't have this like, oh, reg, you know, well-regulated militia or whatever, but yeah. they took that out because they were actually scared about that implying that, uh, that you wouldn't have the right if you were not, um, if you didn't take part in uh, military affairs. Though I think it's worth noting that a militia is necessarily non-governmental. So they were not only saying, uh, (laughs) they were not only saying shall not be infringed, but they were literally saying like, it's important to maintain a military force that isn't controlled by the government. 
So they were actually like, in fact, like telling us like, no, you need to have military grade weapons. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So like the, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and this is going to be painful for me to do because I'm very much on the same side, <laughs> but like, but you're, you're going to, you're going to get folks who come after me, come after the DD crew and all those folks be like, civilians shouldn't have access to this. I know what the counter argument to that is, but I, I, I'd like to hear your articulation about it and like why this is important, because I think this is incredibly important. For there goes my ability to play devil's advocate. Um, <laughs> hey, it's good though. It means, it means you're an honest guy. I like that. <laughs> so, like in in that lens, like why is this important? Like I see why it's important, but for folks who are listening who may kind of be like one of those I support the Second Amendment, but type people, like what what what's your what's your response to them? Um. Well. So. I come from a, like a, a pretty like heady and I don't know, like um, I come from a more radical approach even than like most libertarians do. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a radical individualist and, and anti-federalist. I am not a nationalist at all. And uh, frankly, when it comes down to it, I, I mean, I've got the utmost love for our founding fathers, but uh, I, I really don't care about the constitution. So, so like, first of all, like that, that's out the window. I don't care about like political precedents or anything like that. Um, and for me, this project, uh, you know, being a gun guy, sure. Interested in the technology, of course, but frankly, I'm deeply offended when the state or agents of the state will threaten us with violence if we dare to own a particular type of property and then specifically reserve those property rights for themselves. Um, that's unacceptable. Um, I believe in equality under the law. And, uh, you know, that like, I mean, that's it. There's no conversation to be had when that's happening. So, you know, like, it'd be a whole other conversation. And I would be more than like, you know, people say, well, can't we just have a civil conversation about it? Can't you just submit yourself to the democracy? Well, there isn't a democracy. There's a ruling class that says you can't have it and I can. And uh, so, you know, that's it. I'm, I've left the bargaining table and we're just making this new reality. There's no conversation to be had. We're just going to make it and do it. And that's the end of the, the discussion. Now, if you want me to come back to the bargaining table, well, it's a very interesting thing. If you say, okay, we're going to have whatever an assault weapon is, we're just not going to have them in this country. The police aren't going to have them. The military is not going to have them. The citizenry aren't going to have them. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll be agreeable to that. But um, when you start off saying you can't have it and I can, then then we're, we're done here. And uh, then my entire, my entire motivation becomes to make sure that uh, you're wrong and that those, I don't know, legal threats are just words on paper. So that's where I come, come from it. Now, I can also play the other side of it, which is, uh, you know, first of all, if you're a constitutionalist, shall not be infringed, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the free state. That's saying like, you should, uh, well-regulated means like well-stocked, well-equipped, 
right? Like you need military stuff. So there, there it is right now. The constitution is giving us like almost explicit backing here. Uh, if you believe in that kind of thing. Uh, and then if you're just like coming at it from the practical angle, well, look, there are a lot of, there are a lot of armored thugs going around doing a lot of bad stuff. And, uh, you know, just in the last month, we saw a mass shooting with, with a, a guy wearing armor. And uh, frankly, at the end of the day, peaceful people usually don't wear armor. That, that's the fact of the matter. People who go about their daily life, they, they don't wear armor. Uh, people who wear armor are people who are expecting trouble. And more often than not, it's because they're looking for trouble. Uh, people looking for armor, sorry, looking for trouble um, are, well, they're more likely to be the kinds of assailants that you might need to shoot in the first place. So uh, there, there's the practical angle right there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the libertarians, like, so like I'm, I use libertarian to describe myself as kind of like a shorthand so that I don't have to go into the nuances of, <laughs> yeah. of, of why I'm actually not a libertarian. <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying. I, I get it. At some point, like the, the label you use is kind of unimportant. I don't care, like libertarian anarchist. What does that really mean? So I just try to boil it down and tell people I'm an anti-federalist. And, uh, you know, kind of, I mean, again, in the language of uh, the early politics of the United States, and I'm an individualist. And uh, basically, all the rest of my politics just like logically follows coherent suit from there. So Yeah, that that's always been my uh, problem with libertarians, and in particular, the subclass of libertarians called minarchists. Like, it, like, when you when you accept like any, I've never spoken to a libertarian who could give me an answer on the appropriate amount of government that didn't just sound completely arbitrary to me, like courts, military, police, and roads. That's all the government should do. I'm like, well, that seems arbitrary. Like, why not? Like that line, like it. Yeah. That line always moves. (laughs) So why not move the line back as far as you can? (laughs) Exactly. And and it's funny because I don't know if you, you, you caught that part of my talk, but in my talk at the, the conference, um, I talk about that. Like it starts off as like a few simple things that everybody can, you know, like somewhat agree with. It seems like, oh yeah, roads. That, that's that's not terrible. And and what about like a police force? Well, that, that sounds nice, you know. But for uh, college, you know, it's just yeah, and like it, it doesn't work. And then and then more and more stuff gets added, and that's just the way it goes. So, you know, uh, the Constitution was supposed to restrain it, but clearly it didn't. So, you know, that doesn't work. Yeah, that was that was a big part of my talk. Also, uh, uh, at the beginning of the conference where I was talking about building parallel systems, parallel institutions and like folks like you, folks like you and DD, like out there, like making this happen at a technical level and making making the debate like i've i've never been interested in the policy debate like the, bringing data to a bringing data to a fist fight is the line i used in that for like the current state of the second amendment and why we're in the current state like we're not having a debate like the the, the cards are stacked against us like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and any any attempt like when we always talk about like compromise and shit well what are we getting like that that's not a compromise and you you worded it very eloquently there where you're saying uh, here, here, here's where the uh, bargaining table is. You can't have this, but I can. That's not bargaining. <laughs> exactly. Um, and like, you know, I, I liked, I liked when you said all that. Like you're talking about parallel institutions. I mean, that's 
like, great. That's it. That's the spirit of Atlas Arms. It's like, you know, SU conversation. We're done. That's ineffective. I don't care. We're just, yes. It's great. Nobody can disagree with, you know, the new reality. So that's. And that, that actually brings up another really interesting question that your talk talked on. So like some of the challenges uh, of like running a company in this current climate that we're in, like talk, talk me through like some of your experiences and like challenges and how you've had to kind of uh, come up with innovative solutions, the things we take for granted uh, every day. Frankly, sometimes like a big part of the frustration with this project is that I know that very few people know how difficult it is. So like, first of all, hardware startups are notoriously difficult. Like software startups are hard enough and like the vast majority of those fail. Hardware startups are a completely new thing because you're dealing with like real physical uh, expenses and uh, equipment. And, you know, you're dealing in the physical world, which is much more expensive than just, you know, being able to just have people type up new code. Mm -hmm. But this isn't just a hardware startup. It's a hardware startup in the firearms industry, which is, I mean, if you really think about it, firearms are like, what, nominally illegal in the first place. You know what I'm saying? There's like, I mean, they're, you could say that they're legal, but they're legal if, Mm -hmm. you know, so that, that already makes it harder. And then uh, beyond that, we are a nonprofit and we're open sourcing this technology so then that kills our access to like traditional like uh, startup capital and that kind of thing. And, you know, we, we are uh, opening a manufacturing branch and we've got traditional, you know, investment for, for that. But just developing the technology, um, it will all be said and done on $50,000. And uh, <laughs> that's nothing. I mean, that's so little that typical like people looking to invest in, in, in startup companies they won't even give that a second look because it's just like, well, it's just peanuts. Like it's not even worth my time. Yeah. That, that's uh, an entry level employee's salary. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, it, it's just like every aspect of this makes it so like, so we've had to, I mean, we're entirely off road. There's no, you know, it's not like you can buy a textbook. It's not like you can read, you know, like a Steve jobs biography or whatever, and like figure out how you're going to like do what we're doing. Like it's, it's I have this terrible character flaw where if I'm working on a project that I thought someone else might be able to do or someone else could do or has been done before, then I'm bored of it and I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So then I end up with these projects like, oh, you know, like I, I'm only intrigued by things that are like ridiculously difficult and nobody's done anything like it before. And then, of course, I get like, you know, tend to get like depressed and down on myself when, you know, how about that? It's difficult. Um, but but that's, you know, it, it has been a, a very difficult thing. So like, um, you know, like, uh, for instance, we, we're, we're a crowdfunding site. You're, sorry, we're, we're a crowdfunded operation. We are the only company that has ever like actually crowdfunded all of the funding for a for the research and design of a new firearms product or pro- project, right? So, like the company, like we we had our 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 campaign hosted on Gun Dynamics uh, crowdfunding site just for guns, but like everything on there was just a pre-order campaign where they already had the product developed, but they were just 
you know, like taking pre-orders to, to fund the manufacturing. Or like uh, I know Defense Distributed back in the day with the Wiki Weapon Project, they tried to crowdfund it, got kicked off and ended up, you know, funding it through through other means. Um, but that's, you know, that's a new thing in itself. And like Gun Dynamics got kicked off their payment processor, which is, of course, par for the course yep. uh, these days. Uh, so we've kind of we've had to put together our own and reach out for our own uh, stuff, which, you know, we've we finally got running in the last couple of days and it's kind of rocky, but um, so like, that's one aspect. And uh, uh, you know, it's just, and it's new technology too. Like the, the rest of the gun industry is just, you know, they're just regurgitating the same old stuff, new combinations of the same technology and oh, slide stations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, we're going to make an AK that takes five, five, six. Oh my gosh. This is a game changer. Like, yeah, I, I I was talking to my friends about this. I'm like, is I will never own a Caltech firearm, but Caltech is probably the only company doing anything innovative right now in the mainstream firearm space. I think half of my firearms are Caltech because my interest in guns comes mostly from a place of engineering. Uh, so they're my guys. Yeah, like it's like in. <laughs> For me, it's more the the trouble of take like taking them down and cleaning them and putting them back together. I I the, the few Caltechs I have field stripped like it's it's pretty cumbersome to do that. That's what's dissuaded me. Not, that's not me commenting on like reliability or anything. <laughs> some I mean, some of them are awful, and but they're kind of made to be, you know, really cheap. Mm-hmm. And some of them are really really good. Um, the RDB and the RFB are amazing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it does, they're, they're bullpups. They're more, they're more complicated. Uh, so it's just, you know, what, whatever you're into, I, I guess like for me, um, again, again, I just, I don't do, I don't do all that much shooting. So, uh, I just love, I just love the engineering behind it. Uh, modern day, uh, modern day, uh, what's his name? Oh God. Our Lord and savior. I'm blanking right now. Oh, Browning. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) I can't, I'm going to get roasted. Browning is like hard to compare to because like he laid down so much of like the cornerstones, like Mm -hmm. back when he was, I mean, he laid down like, Oh, here's the different ways a gun can work that are now just like, that's what's used over and over and over and over. Um, so yeah, he was, it, it's kind of weird to think, but like to, to find, to find a guy who is so dedicated to new firearms technology, it seems like you almost have to go back to him. I mean, there have been, you know, like Gaston Glock that, I mean, he's very innovative. Um, the guys that came up with NAS three cases, which is what the dagger will be cased in. Uh, that's a new thing also, but like, you know, that's just an, in, an innovation here or there. I think you have to go back to Browning before you find somebody that's just like, okay, new technology, new technology, new technology, like all the time. Yeah. Like you see, like there's incremental innovation and that's like 80%, 80% of the output of the industry where it's just fine tuning here and there. Right. It works a little bit better. And yeah, Browning is really Browning stoner uh, and a few others. Um, the, 
they're really it's that's who you have to go to when you want to look at forgive me for using this cliche but like paradigm shifts and like the way we think about how these how these tools operate and no this is this is awesome dude like i'm 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 super pumped about this so like one thing um one thing that really captured my attention is this idea of open source ammunition. So could you, could you talk to me a little bit about that? Like where, where that idea came from and like right. what, it, what it actually means in practice to open source your project. So I guess like, again, right off the bat for me personally, everything has to be open source or at least, well, I don't believe in intellectual property. Yeah. Uh, I find ideas to be non-scarce and frankly worthless. So, um, I don't believe in having, yeah, exactly. For for my talk, Uh, which, you know, for the people listening that were there, then, you know, I I guess they got, they got that already, but um, uh, yeah. So like, you know, if you're not going to have the state enforce a monopoly on it for you, you might as well like tell everybody how it works or else the only people who are going to know how it works are like other companies who, you know, want to just like, take it apart and, you know, reverse engineer it. So it's already, already gotta be, but um, yeah, why it's so important uh, specifically is because like what happens if, and this is what all the FUDs always say, you know, like, cause they've got to, they've got to just crap on you for everything, you know, uh, like, well, the government's just gonna make your stuff illegal when it, like, as soon as it comes out. Well, okay, fine. Now we've got to, to answer that. Like, look, we've, We've got many backup plans, and the whole point of this is that there's no way the government can actually control it. I mean, we're you know we're we're circumventing it the first time. We'll just circumvent it again. Like you know, it's like this is the idea. It's not that that's not the end of the game. But if they did, for instance, like you know, if they if they literally did just like shut Atlas Arms down or whatever, like whatever they do. Um, then people can still make it because we told them how. Uh, and that's important. Um, so it doesn't, you know, we, an objective of the dagger was not just to penetrate armor, not just to, you know, uh, devastate ballistics gel and uh, animal and human flesh, um, but we wanted to make it specifically easy to make it home. So uh, there are two components that are bonded together with an adhesive. Uh, and those components are machined. So um, if you can machine those components, then then there you go. You can make it, and it doesn't matter if the state takes us down uh, because you can make it for yourself, and that's and that's important. So um, I, I guess I should go into that some more, though, too, yeah. because our turnkey solution, because it's a core in a jacket, our, our turnkey solution is uh, we're making an add-on for the Ghost Gunner, which is, of course, like us, a desktop milling machine that's made specifically to, to uh, finish 80% receivers. Um, but we're making an add-on to make it a lathe so that you can turn your own bullets. You can make your own like solid copper, solid brass bullets or, or whatever. And so you can make, along with that, you can make the core of the dagger, dagger on a ghost gunner. And then on the jacket side, uh, it's a little bit harder to turn on a ghost gunner. So what we're trying to do is make sure that people can uh, 3D print them. You know? To do this, you need a special kind of 3D printer called SLA, but still, it's a it's a, an available machine, and and uh, and you can print them out, print your jackets, and turn the core on the Ghost Gunner, stick them together, and load them like you would anything else on whatever you know press you use. So, 
That's awesome, man. That 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 makes me so happy. I like whenever I see status trying to legislate innovation. Like, first of all, you can't out legislate innovation. Human beings will always we're like we're like a, 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 the water current. Like, we will always circumnavigate around a pillar that you throw in front of us. It, it may not be the most efficient. It may not be the easiest. But you you can't you can't out legislate. <laughs> and this is this is awesome watching getting exposure to all of these different projects from like atlas arms the dd and a whole slew of other uh folks out there who are out there building out parallel institutions and parallel systems to make tyranny obsolete like yeah. that uh like what was it i think uh control pew's slogan uh can't stop the signal and i'm like well I've got I've got a decent decent sized two A platform. I guess my job can be to amplify the signal. <laughs> That's right. You're a relay station. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. So for for people who are whose ears are perking up here, how how can they get involved? And then can you talk through anything as far as like release dates or when they can start playing with this technology at home? Um, anything of that nature. Uh, man, there's just, there's so much to say. Every question you ask, it's like, there's like four directions I got to go in. Let's, let's go Uh, in all of them, man. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's start with this. Um, uh, as far as like, you know, if, you know, you want to be involved or something, uh, we are a nonprofit branch. So anybody that comes to, to help us and work on the project gets paid exactly what I do, which is nothing. (laughs) Um, so, uh, you know, if you, if you want to volunteer your time and, you know, you're an electrical engineer, a mechanical engineer, um, if you're into, you know, if you've got machining capability, uh, you know, whatever, if you got like some technical skill that, that uh, is applicable or could be applicable, then uh, reach out to us. You can email us uh, dagny at atlasarms.org. Um, otherwise, go to our website. And again, we've we had a nice crowdfunding site going and there was deplatformed. So unfortunately, uh, our our donation page on our own website, we just got it up and running in the last couple of days. It doesn't look good. It looks like garbage, frankly, but it does function and it is secure. So if you, you know, you go there, you can type in a, a, an amount, you can pay by credit card. Um, and, uh, and, and that'll help us out enormously. Uh, and then alternatively, we of course take Bitcoin because you got to take Bitcoin if you're doing, uh, we, we prefer Bitcoin, frankly. Uh, but, but yeah, you can donate on Bitcoin on our website also, which is of course atlasarms.org. So those are the ways to get involved. Now, uh, if you want to get uh, some Dagny daggers in your hands as soon as possible, well, we can't take pre-orders. Um, but for our hundred if you donate a hundred dollars or up, then uh, we're going to send when we're ready, we'll send you a voucher to get uh, a, uh, to be like first in line to receive uh, a box. So, you know, you'll be, you'll be put ahead. Cause you know, there's, <laughs> we're not going to be able to fill all the demands when we, when we first come out with this stuff. So if you put in a hundred dollar donation, then, then uh, you'll get your, get your ammo before the general public. So others uh, that, um, as far as the release date, well, frankly, I mean, this is everybody wants to know, uh, but it, it's hard to say. This is 
it is new technology. You know, we're not just like copying something over. We're not just putting something in a new form factor. And we are a nonprofit, uh, or at least we've, you know, done the R&D as a nonprofit. And the R&D isn't done. It's getting finished, though, and this will be the last year of that. So, you know, we'll start production. We'll have some available in 2022, probably by, you know, the summer or later. I wouldn't expect it in early 2022. Um, but, yeah, uh, th- that's that's the best estimate that we that we have. It, it's coming, though. It, it really is. So that, That's awesome, Ed. Like, what, what you're doing – is the overlap of so many things that are near and dear to my heart, like anti-tyranny, entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurial spirit, innovation, things that make like this, this idea of America unique. And like, I'm also one of those people that thinks that this notion of a nation state is laughable. Um, But like the ideal of America. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can, you can hate the state and still like, think it's an awesome thing that this country is you know i and and i and i do yeah yeah this is, this is so cool and and so you you alluded to this earlier that like the dagny dagger is just the first step on several other things in the pipeline feel free to tell me that uh you can't talk to it but like what what else what else do you have in the pipeline well let's talk about that but but first i, I want to talk about something else because um you know you're in texas and I hate to say it, but as of now, the Dagny Dagger is illegal in Texas. And it's one of the few states that it's going to be illegal in under state law. It'll be legal under a federal, but, you know, state is a different thing because armor-piercing ammunition is defined in Texas as uh, anything that's intended to penetrate armor. But uh, fortunately, we've got, we've got something for you still because, um, uh, as we've said explicitly, uh, before um we've got the super alloy that's intended to penetrate armor mm-hmm. but we're going to make a cheaper version of the dagger uh at least one form of which is going to be called the piggy popper because it's for hunting hogs and i know that's something you do it's uh, very, so I, yeah, yeah and, and i can't wait frankly like i'm i'm gonna demand that you take me on a hog hunt to test these when uh when we're yeah, ready dude. Yeah, when we when we were at the Airbnb, let, let's make it happen, man. Let, Definitely. <laughs> so uh, this will be great. They're intended for hunting, but of course you could use it for you know everyday personal defense and in your carry gun also. And they'll be just like the dagger, except in it won't you know it will compromise just a little bit of that penetrative power, but in exchange it's going to be much cheaper. Uh, frankly, we're looking at selling the projectiles for like 75 cents or a dollar because, well, the actual dagger is, of course, going to be like 250 or 275 per projectile just because that alloy is so expensive. But luckily, this the, the cheaper version still gives you all that good penetration um, or most of it, uh, but it, it's not designed to penetrate to penetrate armor. It'll be good for hunting, good for self-defense. And of course, it, it maintains that... Uh, that devastating terminal performance uh, that, that you want to see. What, what what better ballistic like uh, the FBI standard? What is it? Twelve inch ballistic shell, I believe. Sixteen. Oh no, no, you want it to penetrate 12, 12 of the sixteen right. inch block. But the block yeah. is sixteen inches. Yeah, uh, uh, feral hogs are the ultimate ballistic shell. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Exactly. So I mean, that's that's why. I mean, because. 
with the dagger, you're getting that jacket expanding and it opens up a massive wound cavity, but then you're also not going to be, you're not going to have their shoulder blades and, you know, anything else like stopping the, that bullet from penetrating into more vital uh, organs. So um, what, what, what will that be? What will that be chambered in? I mean, we're starting everything with nine millimeter. Yeah. So uh, the bullet is optimized for nine millimeter, but of course we will, we'll quickly develop probably a, a 357 SIG and a nine by 25 Dylan with it also. Uh, I should mention out of a 16 inch cart, well, out of a, a Glock 17 length barrel, it gets uh, 2300 FPS. And out of a 16-inch carbine, it's uh, 2650 FPS. Nice. So, uh, you know, it's about it's just a little bit under the mass of a of a 223 bullet, and it's going about the velocity of a heavier AK, uh, like like seven seven six two by 39 bullet. So that's awesome. That's awesome, dude. Man, I, I I just gave Control Pew a 16 inch uh, nine millimeter upper last week. Now I'm now now I'm like, yo, uh, can I borrow that? For- <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's amazing. I never thought we we would do that well, but uh, you know, because like, well, I mean, there's not too many bullet, like, not too many 50 grain nine millimeter bullets out there, but the ones that are. The gun industry, what can you say? Like, frankly, the commercial gun industry doesn't deserve to exist. Mm-hmm. They they really, really suck. <laughs> um, and uh, people just don't care to optimize their, their ammunition. So, you know, you've got like Liberty Civil Defense. They're a 50 grain, nine millimeter bullet. But they're, that sucker is, uh, it's way overpressured. It's not, they call it plus P, but it's not. It's way into plus P plus. Uh, plus P is 30 38,500 PSI. Um, and we know this because we've got pressure testing capability uh, to develop our own ammunition. <laughs> uh, its chamber pressure is 46,000 PSI. Hmm. So it's like, I don't know if it's dangerous, but it could be dangerous, you know, if you put it in the wrong gun. Um, and it's still only 2,100 FPS. We're getting, you know, our bullets like... They're at, uh, they're like 42,000, uh, PSI and we're getting 2,300 FPS out of them. So yeah, that is just under a 7.62 by 39. Damn. Yeah. But, but that's the thing. It's like, you know, nobody cares. Like they find something that works and then they stick it on the market. Like they don't care to like make it like the best it can be. Yeah. And, and so like when you, when you actually care, you're like, wow, I can't believe it's this fast. Um, (laughs) And then, and then after you know nine millimeter, we'll we'll probably do uh, a twenty two caliber rifle bullet next. So two two three five five six and, and that stuff. We'll do a thirty caliber rifle bullet for like three hundred blackout, three oh eight, and that and that stuff. And then we'll come back to pistol cartridges. We'll do like a like um, forty caliber bullet for forty Smith and Wesson ten millimeter. And then eventually, I want to get into less common stuff people keep asking for like people keep asking for like um 762 tokarev which mm-hmm. i understand why they ask about that but if the demands there we'll do it it's just it's not very common so we'll, we'll find out and then i want to do i want to try a 5.7 because geez man like that's a fun it, round 
Yeah, it is. I, I, I love it as a cartridge, but uh, I mean, our nine millimeter is doing a lot better at armor penetration than any five, seven out there. Okay. Accepting maybe some like the tungsten core stuff that we're not allowed to have or whatever, but uh, I would really like to to do it in in five seven and and see what we can what we can make happen. But I, I I've said this before. It's like if you give a mouse a cookie, they will demand a cookie in every like obsolete, weird, irrelevant caliber known to man. Because everybody's <laughs> like, yeah, everybody's like, well, you got to make one in seven five, you know, BRNO or whatever that like twelve dollar or seven thousand dollar field pistol is or or whatever and. Oh, you got to make it in 45 ACP. 45 ACP, like we can make a dagger in 45 ACP and it still wouldn't penetrate armor because it's just slow and fat. I mean, I'm sorry for the 911 lovers out there, but like, look, that, that is an obsolete cartridge. Get yourself something better. If you like it big, get a get a 10 millimeter. Yeah. But, you know, uh, but we'll try. The, the point is like, we'll try to get there. Well, but we got to start with the most common stuff first. And uh as the whole point of this was, you know, pistol ammunition. Well, uh, I guess I should have said um, armor piercing is defined also as maybe used in a handgun. So that's why, like, AP 50 BMG is still legal, uh, 338 Lapua, 300 Wind Mag, like all of these you can have steel core stuff in, no problem. But uh, the, the quintessential handgun round is a nine millimeter. So you make a nine millimeter penetrate armor, then you've proven the point. And so that's why mm-hmm. we're starting there. And then we'll build up to, uh, to stuff as, as we have demand. Man, I've, I, so I, I write for guns America and whenever, whenever you're ready, I would love to do an article. I would, I'd come out to you guys and just do an article on this and just show, show it in action. That, that would be, that would be phenomenal. I I'd love it. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, man, everybody like wants to see demos. This has been some of the hard part for us is because for a long time, you know, I like Atlas Arms has been like 80% me. And, you know, now we, we've got Michael Riatini as a, as a business partner. He takes care of like the business administration stuff. And, and we've got other people to help. But, uh, you know, everybody, like I got to go to a conference and people want to see a video on Armor penetration and they want to see in a carbine barrel and so like it's like yeah guys like i know you want to see it but i got to get it done first you know and all the time i spend on publicity like we're not we're not making technical progress so uh it's it's a it's a hard thing but i can't wait till the day when it's like okay it's done now everybody come and see it i want to show you you know come out we'll have a, a fine time bring Bring whatever you want. If you want to bring a, an armored car windshield, we'll shoot it up. I mean, uh, I would love to have something like that. Um, and you in particular, I'd love to have you out. We'll we'll shoot some pig carcasses. We'll shoot some armor. It'll be fun. Yeah, dude, this is this is gonna be awesome, man. I'm I'm really excited for what you're building. But uh, yeah, that, that that's actually all my questions, man. Um, we touched on a lot here. Uh, you you mentioned it earlier in the interview, but why don't you go ahead and just reiterate like wh- where the people can find you if they had questions or if they want to donate. I'm actually going to go, even though even though I'm not allowed to because of the great state of Texas, I'm going to go donate a hundred dollars to get a voucher uh, that I will never be able to cash in, but just to help the cause. So if you're on the fence, <laughs> well, follow my example and I donate mean, really, to Atlas arms. 
we'll, uh, we'll, I mean, we can still ship it to you, just not in Texas. So, you know, like, for instance, if you cross the border up north into my home state, the freedom-loving Oklahoma, then we'd be happy to just send it to a FedEx near you. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, uh, our website, atlasarms.org. Um, if you want to email us, it's Dagny, Dagny, as in uh, Dagny Tiger, the, the name of, of the, the projectile, uh, Dagny at atlasarms.org. And uh, you can look us up on Twitter also. It's Atlas underscore arms underscore org. And uh, we, try to, we try to post there periodically uh, to more or less success again. You know, I'm, I'm kind of bad at keeping posts going because I'm over here with my head down working. But uh, nah. that's a better way to stay more in touch with it. And then, of course, over at YouTube, you can find this. Uh, and, you know, our website links to it. And that has uh, uh, all the, the demonstration videos we've done so far. So. Great. I'm going to, I'll, I'll put links to all of this in the description and see if I can overlay some stuff here and the pop-ups on the YouTube channel, but the YouTube editor is notoriously awful. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, th- thanks. Thanks so much, Austin. It is great talking to you and uh, you, you're, you're doing God's work here. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. All right. See you, man.